Good evening, Wisdom Eccentrics by Nachan Rinpoche, Chapter 19. Rinpoche began to rub his neck with his right hand in the way that always reminded me of Jampalyang. Suddenly he laughed uproariously. Yeah, sometimes these things are just a mystery. Maybe you are right. Chapter 19. Damn right, Nyoshul. Oh yeah, good. Now, today, I want to tell you a story of Paltrol and Dokiense. But it mainly concerns Nyoshul. This is one of my favourite stories. You will enjoy this. Especially now you are not a Tomyor. Or rarely a Tomyor. I want you to listen carefully to what Paltrol says when he speaks to Nyoshul and also what Dokiense says to Nyoshul. There's transmission in their speech. Oh yeah, Rinpoche exclaimed with enthusiasm. Now all these things are clear to you. Now maybe there is no need for Kunzandorje to be fierce. Possibly, Rinpoche, but you never know with me. I'll do my best and avoid formulaic answers and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyhow, just be natural. Tsar Paltrow was biding his time. He was in mountain retreat with his disciples, doing and saying little apart from what seemed needed in the moment. He wasn't one for shooting the breeze, but then one day the wind changed. A breeze laden with the fragrances of highland herbs stirred in the hermitage. Nyoshul didn't really notice. Nyoshul looked a little flat and enervated. Zarpaltrol took a sideways glance at Nyoshul and, perceiving his dull state of mind, called out, Hey, Nyoshul, get lively now! Nyoshul jumped a little on hearing his lama's voice directed at him in such a crisp manner. He apologised for his flatness of affect, but Paltrow waved his hand to indicate that apologies weren't necessary. Paltrow grinned. Why don't you and me both take a long, long, long walk over yonder? Nyoshul was still taking in these words when he realised that Paltrow had leapt to his feet and was packing up an overnight sack. He quickly grabbed his own appurtenances and rammed them into a bag to hitch up onto his back. Soon they were both headed off at a brisk pace in the direction, direction of the high pastures. <coughs> Sheep country, Paltrow quipped over his shoulder in an unnecessarily loud voice. This obviously amused Paltrow greatly but Nyoshul had no inkling of what might be amusing in such a statement. He scrambled after his llama with as much decorum as he could muster. After three hours' walk, without a word exchanged, they heard a crack that echoed ominously amongst the mountains. Yo! Paltrow shouted to his disciples' alarm. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? Yes, Nyoshul had heard the sound. Maybe distant thunder? 
Thunder all right, my lad, Paltrell yelled, but not the sort that brings rain, he whispered in a mock conspiratorial manner. Nyoshal looked perplexed, so Paltrell confided in an immense bellow. That is the sound of liberation. Again, Nyoshal had no idea what his teacher was talking about. Paltrell strode ahead, appearing disinterested in elucidation. Nyoshal inquired no further. Soon they saw a great herd of sheep in the distance. Nyoshal had some slight sense of foreboding that made him feel he should say something. There are sheep in the distance, he observed. Damn right, Nyoshal, Paltrell smiled broadly. You could be on to something. Eh? He murmured with a conspiratorial air that was almost ludicrous. There was definitely some private joke afoot, but it was not to become apparent. This, thought Neoshaw, must have got something to do with sheep, but he couldn't get any further with his line of reasoning. They continued to walk. Soon they were up in the high pastures amongst the sheep. They seemed unusually lacking in nervousness for sheep, and Yoshal remarked on it. They seem unusually lacking in nervousness for sheep. Again, Paltrow's, Paltrow's rejoinder was oblique and impenetrable. Foregone conclusion, Yoshal. Foregone conclusion. Just as we should have expected. They... Our Dokiense's flock. Make no mistake. Paltrow was obviously elated. He strode ahead vigorously in spite of his advancing years. Having climbed the ridge that lay before them, they halted momentarily to catch breath. Paltrow shaded his eyes to get a clearer view of the distance. Yo! Nyoshal, Paltrow shouted at mighty volume, even though he was right next to his disciple. There, look, there is the gar of Dokiense Yeshe Dorje Rinpoche. Nyoshal almost leapt out of his skin at the shout, but composed himself quickly enough, having got used to Paltrow's sudden penchant for loud statements. And yes, there it was. In the distance, he could just make out small white flecks that could quite possibly have been tents. They were a long way off, but it was evident that this was their destination. Now, Nyoshal had heard a lot about Dokiense, and what he had heard was all utterly astonishing. The Lama was an enlightened maniac by all accounts, and held in the very highest esteem by many Nyingma Lamas. It was said by some that he was one of the greatest living masters of his age. He was the incarnation of Jigme Lingpa. Fragments of a picture began to shape themselves, but Nyoshal could not manage to tie them together in a way that made any sense. Paltrow was certainly acting in a singularly strange manner, but why? What was this shouting all about? Something unusual was evidently in the air, but what it could be, Nyoshal could not guess. Dokiense had known about his visitors since early that morning, 
and now he espied the pair from a distance. He knew through his innate clarity that his disciple Tsar Paltrow Rinpoche was coming. He knew also that with him Paltrow had a disciple of his own, a man who needed to break through some obstacles. They would have travelled all day by foot and they would doubtless be tired and hungry, so preparations were made for their comfort. A tent had been arranged for their privacy, bedding had been appropriated and arranged in a commodious manner. Food had been organised and was in the process of being cooked. Chung had been allocated and stood waiting in wooden pitchers ready to quaff. When the two lamas arrived, disciples of Dokyense came to meet them and escorted them into the maniacal Drupchen's tent. Dokyense welcomed them in grand style and bade them sit down on the thick pile of sumptuous carpets and sheepskins arranged for them. He was dressed in a fine tuba made of lambskins and sat on the scattered skins of leopards and tigers. They found Dokyense in the final stages of cleaning, oiling and reassembling his rifle. The sight of the rifle was a bit much for Nyosho. He had certain ideas about that kind of thing. Nonetheless, he sat down along with Paltrow and the three lamas talked. They talked about the way things had been, the way things were going and the way things might turn out. A somewhat matter-of-fact conversation with no particular spiritual inclination as far as Nyoshul could ascertain. But every time Dokyense addressed him, it was with some extraordinary appellation such as dangerous ruffian, savage barbarian, audacious scallywag, incongruous reprobate, degenerate miscreant or impetuous rapscallion. Nice rifle, Rinpoche, commented Paltrow. Certainly. British, not some miserable Indian musket or an old smoothbore. This is an Enfield, a pattern 1853, with a rifled barrel. Come from India last month. I've been waiting on this for a good while now. Damnedest thing I ever saw, Dokiense chuckled, passing the gun to Paltrow. Shoots well? Paltrow inquired whilst examining the various functional components of the weapon. Damn right, laughed Dokiense. Each phrase that Dokiense turned was delivered with shocking volume. It was eerily similar to the style Paltrow had employed during their trek up to the gar. The pieces of picture in Nyoshul's mind looked as if they were going to assemble themselves coherently for an instant, but they didn't. Nyoshul's bewilderment simply escalated. Dokiense was continuing with some discussion of powder, shot and muzzle velocity when he caught sight of attendants in his peripheral vision. Ah, he yelled, but I see a feast is ready and dispatched with this very gun in honour of your visit. Paltrow had passed the rifle to Nyoshul only moments before. Nyoshul was engaged in a personal struggle to find something interesting about this horrible implement of death. 
when Dokiense made his announcement about its recent use. Butchered, just for you. What do you think about that, eh, Nyoshul, my boy? Nyoshul was mortified. Finding himself minutely observed by both Ranas, he squirmed grievously. He gave a sickly smile as he passed the weapon back to its ferocious owner. Thank you, Rinpoche, being all he could manage to say. He was now feeling monstrously uncomfortable and wondering why Pouchel had brought him into the presence of this Lama, who, who was doing his best to manifest as the most frightfully depraved hedonist one could imagine. He had heard that Dokiense was a wrathful, mercurial teacher, but this had gone way past anything he could have imagined. Now, Nyoshul knew Paltrel to be vegetarian, and so things started looking even worse when his master started slamming into the lamb with unconcealed gusto. Nyoshul knew that not only was Paltrel vegetarian, but that his teacher would always go out of his way to save life wherever he could. Nyoshul had often seen Paltrel refuse to visit nomad camps if he knew there was any chance of an animal being killed for the specific purposes of feeding his party. He was not one of those lamas who believed in the concept of the heart not grieving over anything the eye had not seen. Paltrel didn't believe in innocence through contrived ignorance. And yet here he was, acting completely out of character. It was like a bad dream. Looking at Nyoshul's dazed expression, Dokiense hacked off an enormous steak of lamb and hefted it deftly into Nyoshul's bowl, yelling, Hey, Nyoshul, you murderous little sod! Get your diabolical gnashers round this! Nyoshul gasped, but his devotion to Paltrel was such that he thanked his utterly shocking host and proceeded to nibble at the slaughtered flesh as if it had been roasted for his personal anguish. It was so evident that he was not enjoying his food that Paltrel noticed his timid lacklustre style and nudged him in the ribs. Eat! Eat! Paltrel encouraged. Poor Nyoshul! This was an abhorrent ordeal for him. He was practically bug-eyed with confusion as Dokiense and Paltrel devoured abundant servings of meat. Having concluded their repast and cut the grease with some rather excellent tongue, Paltrel requested some brief essential teaching. Dokiense acceded with alacrity and spontaneously revealed something that he'd long kept hidden. For many years I've wanted to give you this teaching, Paltrel, and tonight is the night. He winked at Nyoshul as if he were about to tell a ribald joke. I'm extremely happy to give it to you now. You've waited long enough. Dokiense took a long, careful look at Nyoshul, who was by now practically deranged. And this drooling debauchee here, this insatiable inebriate, he can also receive this teaching. He's a funny little fellow, but he has a good heart and a fine appetite for lamb. Nyoshul was somewhat aghast at being described as a debauchee, but felt himself unusually privileged nonetheless. 
To receive a transmission from such a master was a rare thing, no matter how bewildering the circumstances. And so it was. It was the most searingly direct of pointing out instructions, the most brilliantly eloquent yet refreshingly simple teaching. Nyoshal was utterly rapt. His attention was totally absorbed with the words of Dogyense. Once the teaching was concluded, Nyoshal was left in complete shock, bewildered in comprehension. Dokiense was a realised lama who toted a gun, an enlightened master who slaughtered sheep. This was the most terrible ambivalence. But somehow he'd gone so far into experiential overload that he was quite relaxed. There was nothing left with which to struggle. When Paltrol and Nyoshal took their leave at the conclusion of the teaching, Dokiense touched foreheads with them both. He looked lovingly at Nyoshal for the first time since he arrived and wished him a comfortable night in the friendliest, most gracious manner. It was quite uncharacteristic for Dokiense to behave in a style befitting a venerable ecclesiastic, but on this occasion he manifested the benign serenity one might expect of the archetypal saint. Nyoshal almost paralytic with pure pleasure, was reeling as he made his way to the tent set aside for them. Before entering and bedding down for the night, he and Paltrow stood for a while, looking at the stars. What a day! What a day! Paltrow exclaimed, taking in the endless view. I've been your teacher for a long stretch, haven't I, dear Nyoshal? but I've never given you anything as marvellous as you've just received. Nyoshal was speechless, but it didn't matter. There was nothing to say. You know, my friend, with all my experience, I couldn't guarantee to send you to the copper-coloured mountain if you were to die tonight, Paltrow sighed. What a pity the two of us couldn't be sheep in this marvellous herd. Every sheep here will find itself liberated into that dimension in the instant of its death. Nyoshal's eyes filled with tears. Then Dokiense Yeshe Dorje is, in reality, none other than Padmasambhava. Paltrow smiled warmly at Nyoshal. He replied quietly and very gently, Damn right, Nyoshal. So, what is the meaning of this? Rinpoche asked. Transmission, I replied, an extremely powerful transmission. I can't imagine Nyoshal not being changed forever by that. Oh, yeah, Rinpoche smiled. This was necessary. Rinpoche detected my question and answered it before I could put it into words. Necessary because Nyoshal had become hard. Not hard like a stone, but hard like milk that has dried on the edge of a bowl. It is not milk and it is not cheese. It is merely a rind of grease. There is no possibility there without movement. Am I like that, Rinpoche? Rinpoche shook his head from side to side, laughing. No, 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 nothing like that. 
you are too emotional to be like that. Not emotionally ridiculous like a tomure, but you feel strongly and that makes you awake to everything. This is good. But you have to have strength to carry this emotion. This is Chanchubsen, and a Chanchubsempa must be a warrior. Do you think I can be a warrior? Rinpoche laughed and then gazed at me affectionately. You have no choice. Yeah, you will see. You have a long life to live, and you will see. We sat in silence for some time, gazing at the preparations being made for tantric dances which were to be staged on the day of Padmasambhava's birth. The dancers were practising in the courtyard below, and it was intriguing to watch them gyrate whilst balanced on one leg. This particular day was a dress rehearsal, and so we had this glorious spectacle for the play of our attention. Lama Nyodrup suddenly appeared in the costume of Dorje Truro. Lama Nyodrup was a genius by any definition. He danced with a precision and passion which made the heart ache so beautifully that there was nothing to say about the experience. The other dancers were excellent, but he was in his own category, beyond categories. Here I was confronted with something that was outside the usual performance. This was Garcham at its most powerful, but it was also like the most exhilaratingly inspired Western ballet. Here was incomparable beauty and consummate artistry, as well as the heavy stomping movements of a visionary giant. The movements were a communication that bypassed concept and spoke of the essential quality of Dorje Truro, which can arise within any culture, at any time or place. Dorje Truro is the crazy wisdom manifestation of Padmasambhava, and Rinpoche was an emanation of Dorje Trullo. There was something excruciatingly poignant about the way that understanding descended on me in that moment. The dance, the costume, the stories, and the conversations we had about them, they were all aspects of the energy called Dorje Trullo. Crazy wisdom is the quality of realisation that cuts through every position. It cuts through all the spiritual positions too. It turns the spiritual and non-spiritual inside out and explodes the limitations inherent in the patterns that belong to either. As if it had been part of the preordained choreography of our own dance, Rinpoche and I both turned our faces from the window at the same moment. Rinpoche was still smiling. Unusual slightly unnerving. He ran his finger backward and forward along the edge of his chokse, and suddenly he was asking me a question. This was peculiar because I hadn't noticed how his question had started. It wasn't that I was daydreaming, so I couldn't work out how he came to be asking. It was also rather unsettling that I couldn't catch hold of what he was asking. Lug Mindu, Rinpoche quipped, noticing my bemusement. He repeated this several times. 
Then our lunch arrived. Lunch was a pile of rice with a few shreds of dark green vegetable matter and somewhat smaller shreds of meat. Look, Mindu, I commented. Rinpoche burst out laughing, occasionally repeating the phrase. Somehow this became hysterically funny and we both laughed till the tears were flooding down our cheeks. It seemed that it would be an act of impenetrable imbecility to ask at that point what Rinpoche had intended when he began the Lug Mindu routine, so I didn't ask. It seemed somehow self-explanatory from my naive apprehension. It was a joke about the story. Nyosho had to eat a lot of lamb as part of receiving transmission from Dokiense. We were both getting very little sheep to eat, but maybe the transmission was there nonetheless. These thoughts wove their way through my mind when suddenly, Transmission! Rinpoche exclaimed. Needs preparation. What do you think of the way in which Paltrow prepared Nyosho in this story? A straightforward question. Well, Paltrow acted strangely as they were walking together and it occurred to me that he was reflecting some aspects of what Nyosho was going to witness in the personality display of Dokiense. Rinpoche resumed his earlier gesture, rubbing his finger backwards and forwards on the table. Yeah, possible, was all he had to say. He waited for me to think of something else. I somehow knew that further comment was expected. Well, it also seemed as if Paltrow were giving little clues all the time. He started out saying sheep country, as if Nyoshul should understand what that meant. It seemed as if he were teasing Nyoshul or trying to cause him to be intrigued in some way. Rinpoche looked at me carefully and said, Yeah, you see, every word is important. You mustn't miss anything. Every word is important. But Nyoshul is content with his confusion. Suddenly the Lug Mindu phrase came to mind. Lug Mindu, I ventured with slight trepidation. Transmission. Rinpoche poured two beers. He then continued to talk about the story. Nyoshul went through with everything, no matter what he thought or felt. His devotion was the main thing that made transmission possible. His capacity to remain with ambivalence and bewilderment. Yes, I ventured. He allowed Paltrow and Dokiense to wreak havoc with his conceptuality to the point where transmission was inevitable. Oh yeah, now nothing is hidden from you. It occurred to me then that there were many points of transmission during the story and many aspects of preparation. The humorous insults that Dokiense threw at Nyoshul were all reflections of what was going on in Nyoshul's mind. Dangerous ruffian, savage barbarian, audacious scallywag, incongruous reprobate, degenerate miscreant, impetuous rapscallion, 
murderous little devil, drooling debauchee or insatiable inebriate. These were all variations of ideas in Nyoshaw's mind, descriptions of Dolkiense of which he was deeply ashamed. Each shocking appellation terrified poor Nyoshaw as it occurred to him. He tried to force such thoughts out of his mind, but Dokiense kept reminding him of them by reflecting them back with aplomb. It was almost as if they were stages of transmission, in the same way that there were stages within an empowerment. The rifle empowerment, the meat empowerment, the insult empowerment, and the saintly charade empowerment. Rinpoche laughed and teased me. Yeah, one day you will give the four empowerments this way. Then he continued, Every sound is mantra. Every movement is mudra. Every act is empowerment. Every moment is transmission. It occurred to me many times since then that I was a little like Nyoshul in some respects, the ways in which he was bewildered, that is. Rinpoche often precipitated me into terminal perplexity and preposterous puzzlement. Whether Rinpoche modelled the Nyoshul of his tales on his Inji disciple for the purposes of his storytelling, or whether that was the actual Nyoshul, is a matter for speculation. Will the real Nyoshul please stand up? <laughs>